All right. Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. It's so good to see you. I'm going to invite you to take your seats. Y'all doing all right today? Amen. Isn't God great? He's great all the time. I'm excited to share with you the word that uh, God has placed in my heart for this day, for this Sunday. Um, and it's entitled, Working Through It. Through It. And you're probably asking yourself, what is it? Well, it um, is different for every single one of us in this place today. And, and I pray that with the help of the Lord, when we get to the end of the message, you'll be able to tie it in. Um, working through it. Isn't it incredible? I've shared this with you before, how two people can have um, different, a different experience at the same event. It's crazy sometimes to, to be able to walk out of a place and say, that was the, the best meal that I've ever had, and, and, and walk out with the person you had lunch with and say that, that they'll never come back again. Um, you can have two people at the same place experiencing the same thing, but have two different perspectives. Uh, I've mentioned, and I've used the example of church, where you can have somebody that said it was an incredible service, God's presence was there, God spoke to me, and you can have someone that said, uh, that can say quite the opposite of that, um, just like working out. Some of us love working out, some of us hate working out. Same experience, but two different results. Um, I once had an uncle that I asked, I asked him if he worked out. This was when I was much younger. And uh, he said, no. He, and I said, why not? He said, for two reasons. Uh, he says, I get tired and I sweat. And I don't like to get tired and I don't like to sweat. Um, same experience. So the, I heard it put this way, that the greatest lessons in life are almost always taught in the classroom of suffering. The greatest lessons in life are almost always taught in the classroom of suffering because it's one thing to read about it, but it's another thing to experience it. It's another thing to go through it. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, he says, to keep me from becoming conceited, because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And he says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships. Never heard anybody say that. I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. But then he lets us know why. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. The Apostle Paul here is just opening himself up to us and allowing each of us to look at the inner struggle, at what is going on on the inside, on what he's really feeling. And he, he loves these people so much that he is able to write in this manner. And I have to admire him because you know that 
not everyone in this world will write what is really going on on the inside, what is really taking place. And, and Paul here, I have to admire him because when he talks about this sensation of weakness, he, he lets us know that truly to him, the way he perceived it, the way he understood it, his perspective of it, instead of lamenting, instead of crying, instead of being frustrated over it, no, the way he, see, the way he saw it was actually an indication of strength. And, and Paul lists different things that could be downfalls, but he acknowledges their place in his life. He talks about weakness. He talks about insults. He talks about hardships. He talks about these things. He acknowledges them. And for many of us, they could just truly be a dark season. They could be a horrible moment in life. But Paul was letting us know that they have a place in my journey. They have a place in my story, the way my story is being written. There is a place for this. And, and we understand through reading just a little bit more that Paul was frustrated with, with the church in Corinth. He was frustrated with his spiritual children. He would fuss at them and then he would condemn them. And then he, he writes a little bit more and then kind of, it, it's a cycle that we see um, going on. He goes, goes back to being frustrated. And those letters that, that we see, First and Second Corinthians, were written over a span of time uh, when he is in Macedonia and he is just addressing the church there. And, and what I have to point out is that Paul would just rant. He would just go on and on for all of us to see, for all of us to see. And what I can understand and what I can glean from this particular text where Paul is writing here is that faithfulness and frustration go hand in hand. Faithfulness and frustration go hand in hand. What do you mean? I'm glad you asked. You're frustrated with something that you have deep ownership in. You don't necessarily get wound up and, and worked up about a problem that somebody else is facing. Yes, it hurts, and yes, we'll pray about them, but when, when it comes to your family or when it comes to your marriage and it comes to your home, there's a different intrinsic value that, that you're able to tap into because you have deep ownership. You're, you're most frustrated about your shortcomings uh, because you can feel the value in that. So Paul wanted these people to, to serve God, and he wanted them not just to serve God in a mediocre way, but he wanted them to serve God with all their hearts. And he, we see him going through these difficult moments, these trials, these tribulations in his own life, and we see his response to them. We see the way he reacts. We see the way he is able to respond to what is taking place. And he lists some heroic acts that he went through. He lists some things um, when he was beaten. When, when he was beaten, he, was, he mentions that by name. He lets us know there, there's details in that. We can understand the event that is taking place. But he gets to this particular portion of Scripture, and he doesn't go into detail. He gets to this particular portion, and he does not mention it by, by name. He only identifies it in a metaphoric way. He, he doesn't list it. He doesn't tell us what is truly going on, but he talks about this one particular thing in his life. That as he ascended higher in his relationship with God, as, that, as he advanced, as he progressed, there was something there. There was just something there, something that just bothered him, something that just frustrated him, something that he just called a thorn. 
something that he just called a thorn. And what I'd like to point out here today is that I believe all of us can relate to Paul writing in this particular text, that all of us have a thorn. And it could look different for you on this side than it does for you on this side. It it could be completely different. And he just talks about it in this way, if you keep reading. We truly don't know. We truly don't understand what it is, but he compares it to a thorn. Isn't it incredible how something so small, something so small can can result in so much pain? Isn't it incredible? crazy to know that something so small could result in so much heartache. And truthfully, I'm glad, I'm glad he never told us. I'm glad he never just let us know what it truly was that he faced. Yes, people speculate. Yes, researchers and historians have indicated that they, they could pinpoint, but it's not for certain because when, because of the fact that he does not tell us what it is, it allows us to have a general panoramic view, a general uh, a situation to, to know what it's like that we could be able to look at Paul and then look at my life and look at your life and say, there's something in my life that I could compare to that. Something in our past, something that we're currently facing, some experience that we just can't seem to shake off. He had, had he listed what it was, had we understood what the thorn was, we would have easily disassociated with him. And we would have said, at least I'm not going through what Paul is going through. At least I'm not facing what he's going through. Because we as humans have a tendency to be able to categorize problems and categorize sin and, and be able to say, well, at least I'm not involved in what he's doing. At least I'm not doing what she's doing. It's just like the Adam and Eve situation that we see in the Garden of Eden with the fruit. People want to know which fruit it was. You'll even see that artists have depicted as an apple, but we truly don't know because as humans, we like to know what specifics we're dealing with. Was it an apple? What was it? We don't know because if people would know what that fruit was, we would easily say, at least I didn't do what Adam and Eve did. At least I wasn't involved in what they were involved in. At least I don't do that. Had Paul told us what this thorn was, we would say, at least I'm not in Paul's boat. At least I'm not going through that. But he doesn't tell us. And I'm glad he doesn't because if we're honest, we all know what it's like to deal with a thorn. If we're honest and if we're transparent and if we're just going to be raw this morning, we all know what it's like to deal with a thorn. It could be a broken dream. It could be a hope, a broken hope. It could be a broken aspiration. It could be a broken past or a shattered relationship. It could be a poor choice that we made. We all know what that feels like. We all know what it's like to experience that and to go through something like that. Paul must have been humiliated by it to a certain degree that he wouldn't even disclose what it truly was. He had to be hesitant and and there had to be some reservations in sharing what it truly was because he didn't want us to know. He didn't want us to know. And let's just be honest, there's some things that we have faced. There's some things that are going on in our lives that we don't want people to know about, that we don't completely disclose, that we completely don't share. And and I want to point out that there are some issues 
that we deal with. There's some issues that we deal with. There's two things that I want us to understand here from this. Is the first thing is this. It's our weakness. Our weakness. Hebrews 12.1 puts it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run this race with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So let's just put it out there. There are weights in our lives that will try to hold us back. There are weights in our lives that will try to hold us back. They slow us down. They try to be, be a hindrance to us in progressing and to advancing and to being who God truly wants us to be. There, there is a sin that, that the writer here says that can so easily, it, it, it doesn't really require a lot. It can easily trip us up. And he says that if we're going to run with endurance, we have to get rid of the weight. We have to get rid of the weight. We have to get rid of the sin. We have to get rid of it. I don't know what it is to you. I don't know what the weight is to you. I don't know what the sin is to you, but get rid of it. You're trying to run a marathon with all this baggage that is just holding you back. When you can live free, when you can travel light, you're trying, you're, you're tired, you, you feel like you're just running constantly against a wall, you're frustrated, you feel you can't make it, but you have to get rid of the sin, you have to get rid of the weight. You have to identify it for yourself. I, I can only tell you what the scripture says, but you can this word can become real and, and relevant and become life to you when you find out what is the weight in my life? What is the sin in my life that I have to lay aside and that I can run this race with endurance and be able to press forward toward the prize in Christ Jesus? So what is it that I have? Is it a relationship? Is it a habit? Is it this tendency? Is it this sin? What is it for me? What is it for you? that we just have to say, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. There's too much at stake. There's too much on the line for me to be discouraged, for me to be bogged down, for me to be weighted down. There is too much going on. That Can I tell you that anger and frustration and resentment is not worth holding us back? We have to release it to God and keep running forward and keep pressing forward and know that the God who has begun the good work in us, he is faithful to complete it. Um, he is faithful to complete it. Can I tell you that we all go through stuff, uh, that we all have trials, uh, that, that anxiety and frustration and depression, we are all susceptible to it. But I also have to know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I have to get to a point where I have to say, you know what? What I'm looking up, it's not worth it. What I'm doing, it's not worth it. What I'm reading, it's not worth it. What I'm involved in, it's not worth it. There's something greater that God has placed in my life, and it is a calling to fulfill the purpose in which he designed me for. Hallelujah. You have to get rid of it. The second thing is our pride. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says this, to keep me from becoming conceited, 
to keep me from becoming arrogant, he said this, because of these great surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Paul said, every time that I considered my accomplishments, every time that I wanted to get a big habit, every time that I wanted to just say, you know what, I'm so proud of everything that I have done. Any time there was a moment like that, he said, I would always go back to this thing. I would always go back to this particular moment. I would always go back to this particular time, maybe 15 years ago, maybe 10 years ago, what it looks like for you. I would always go back. And every time I wanted to puff my chest out and say, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. I would always go back to this particular moment. Can I tell you that? There's some experiences in our lives that allow us to remain grounded. There's some experiences in our lives that allow us to keep a level head and to be able to understand, I wouldn't be here had it not been for Jesus. I wouldn't have anything that I have today had it not been for the goodness and the mercy of the Lord. I wouldn't be able to be where I'm at today had God not stepped in when he stepped in and how he stepped in. But I am so grateful for his mercy and his goodness that stepped into my life. I can stand before you. You can stand before me and say that when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, how he saved my soul, how he set me free, I can praise him in a way that I didn't know how to praise him before. But after you've been through some stuff, after you've suffered a while, there, there becomes a, a place that we can get to that we understand, you know what, if it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't have anything. It doesn't matter what your resume or what my resume says, it's all because of God. It's all because of him. Paul said every time that I wanted to get a big head, every time that I wanted to progress, I would go back to this moment because I know what's really going on in my life. Because I know what I've been through. And while it was uncomfortable for him, while it was uncomfortable, it kept him grounded. It reminded me, the apostle Paul said, that it is because of him. I have to recognize that he is the reason and I have to recognize that he is the source. James 4, 6 puts it this way, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. That I have to stand at the crossroads of life and I have to understand that every good gift and every perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. I have to understand that it's not by might, that it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. It keeps me grounded to understand uh, that God could snap his fingers and everything could change in my life. Uh, but in it all, it keeps me grounded. I have to realize this. In it all, I have to realize is that pain happens. Pain happens. Because let's be honest, there's, also, there's, there's situations that we've all been through that have inflicted pain on our lives. Some of us by others' choices, some of us, some of them by our own choices, but pain happens. Second Corinthians 11 says this, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus 130. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked. 
I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. Look at, look at what Paul is going through. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles. Isn't it everywhere you look? Isn't that life sometimes that everywhere you look, it seems like it's just something before you can recover from one thing and, and catch your breath, here's another thing that you have to deal with. And, and after you solve this issue, this one all of a sudden surprises you. Everywhere you look, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored, I have toiled, I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked besides everything else. I face the daily pressure. I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. For Paul, it was a concern for all the churches, but some of you in this place know what the daily pressure of what you're facing is. It's the first thought that you think of when you wake up in the morning. The last thought that's on your mind as you're going to bed. Pain happens. And then he says, who is weak? He said, and I do not feel weak. We all go through hurt. And sometimes God doesn't take it away. I'd love to tell you that every story ends the way we would hope it ends, but that's not the truth. Sometimes God doesn't take it away. But in these moments, in these moments when pain happens, when pain occurs, when pain is going to be inevitable, when it doesn't matter where I look, it doesn't matter where I go, I'm facing it, it's hurting on the inside, there's this thorn that has just has found its place. In, in my heart and in my mind, that it just hurts, that it just hurts. The memory of what took place, the memory of the past experience, it keeps reliving in my mind. And sometimes it's just there. Paul said, I know what it's like. I'm serving God. I'm planting churches, but I know what it's like. I'm, I'm fulfilling my purpose in life, but I know what it's like to have hurt on the inside. And this is so valuable and important for us to know because some of us in this place are serving, we're giving, we're going, we're doing everything that we can, but there's a pain on the inside, but there's purpose in the pain. There is purpose in the pain. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 says this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, this, my grace. Aren't you grateful for God's grace this morning? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And look what he says. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's 
power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you know what it's like to go to God and be praying for something and the answer doesn't seem to line up with what you're praying for? Is there anybody here in this place that knows what it's like to have gone through something and you're saying, God, why? God, if you, if you can do something for me, if you can heal this, if you can restore this, I can be better. A frustration, Paul is saying, this wouldn't leave me alone. And he's saying, I asked God, please take it away. I asked him a first time. I asked him a second time. I asked him a third time and it wouldn't go away. And I could imagine that Paul would say this, God, if you took this away, and maybe some of us are thinking this in this place today, God, if you took this away, I could get more done for you. God, if you could just erase this memory, if you could just erase this moment in time, I could do more for you. Or you, you say, if I didn't have this temptation, or if I didn't have this opposition, or you say, if God, if you could just take this habit away, and you say, God, I signed up to serve you. And this is what the Apostle Paul is, in essence, praying, saying, I'm asking him. I'm asking him to take away what's going on on the inside. When I signed up to serve you, God, you said that you would give me everything I need. You said that you would, that you would be with me. And it, it seems like every time I try to make progress, every time I try to take one step forward, I take three steps back because of this thorn. What thorn is they're present in your life. This thorn, this little thing. For some of us, it's something larger that it just hurts so bad that you get to, to a point where you're just tired of facing it and you're tired and you feel like you've prayed about it. You've asked God and you're still sick. You've asked God and you're still hurting. You've asked God and you're still aching. You've asked God and it doesn't seem to get any better. Paul said, there was this thing in me. And I love what, what he emphasizes. He goes straight to God. He goes straight to God. My thorn took me to the throne. My thorn took me to the th throne. And he said, I prayed about it. And when I got up, it was still there, still facing the same thing, still going through the hurt, still facing everything that was there. When I got up, it was still there. What was it, Paul? I wish you would tell us. What was it? It's one of those things that you, you would grow up in church. Growing up in church, you would hear people say, after they, they would give a praise report, you got to the prayer request. And they wouldn't really, and people wouldn't really share, we've all been there. I have an unspoken need. 
I have an unspoken need. I'm going through something. I need you to pray with me about it, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I have an unspoken need. We've all been there. We speak in code, and we don't share what we're really going through. And that's, this is Paul on this occasion. I have a thorn in my flesh. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But then we say we're dealing with some things, and it's just a lot right now. And, and we say this one will stay at the throne. This one will stay with him and Paul lets us know that all these things that bother him he was insulted he was beaten he was shipwrecked but he never lets us know about this and that's what I want to deal with this morning as I close as I close the stuff that we don't speak about that's still going on on the inside the stuff that we don't share that is still going on on the inside he doesn't mention it he doesn't mention it. And there is a point that we have to understand that his grace is sufficient. That his grace is sufficient. Paul, I'm not going to heal you. Paul, you're still going to face what you're facing. But I want you to know, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. You can keep going. You can face tomorrow. You can keep going. You can keep preaching. You can keep teaching. You can keep planting churches. You can keep doing what you're doing. Because my grace is sufficient for you. I want to tell somebody in this place that is hurt, you can keep being a husband and you can keep being a wife you can keep serving God yes there's pain on the inside and it doesn't seem to go away but there is a grace that surpasses the hurt there is a grace that surpasses the need God is telling you my grace my grace is sufficient for you you're still going to have to deal with it. You're still going to have to deal with the memory. You're still going to have to deal with the trauma. But God says, my grace is sufficient for you. I got you covered, Paul. I know you feel like you can't make it. I know you feel like you would be better without it. But I want to tell you, yes, you've gone through it, but my grace is going to hold you together. I want to tell every struggling person in this house today that God's grace is still sufficient for you. That you have gone through some hard stuff and you've gone through some storms but God's grace is still greater worship team will you join me there reaches a point that I have to say this if you don't go away if you don't go away I will face you and I will see how God wants to use you to accomplish his purpose in my life. Because I serve a God. I'm grateful that I serve a God that works all things together for good for them that love him. I'm glad that, that he doesn't just take the good moments and the moments that we're proud about and the moments that I want to share on my Facebook story. But he takes the moments that I would never dare post about. And he takes it all and he weaves it together. And he says, I make all things work together for good for them that love me so you have to tell whatever it is on the inside if you're not gonna go away I'm gonna see how this can help me accomplish my purpose I can't lament on this 
if it will not go away. I can't lament on this if it's not going to change. But I have to keep moving forward. I love that Paul serves as an example that he could keep moving forward. Yes, it hurt. Yes, it maybe wasn't fair. Yes, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the optimal and the best situation. But you know what? He kept on going forward. Can I tell you that we're all broken? That we've all gone, gone through some difficult moments. But can I tell you as a church, Impact City, let's let God use every moment. And let's let God use every experience. Let's let God use the moments where he has fulfilled his promises. Let's let God use the moments where we've gone through some pain. Let's let God use it all so that he could be glorified, so that he could be lifted up. I have to remember, just because God doesn't take it away doesn't mean that he's not with me. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in weakness. That's the perspective that I shared about when I opened. It's the perspective. Because the truth is that I could let my problems make me bitter. And it sounds so cliche, but the truth is that I can make, let those problems make me better. The things that you've gone through, the things that you've faced, let's let God use them to make us better. He said, when I am weak, when I am weak, he is strong. I still got 37 minutes, y'all. Where I am weak, he is strong. That I may not have it all together. That it's, it doesn't, my life is not picture perfect that there are some moments and that there are some things that I face and that there are some that there are some situations that we face relationally as a church as a family as individuals that we don't have it together but to know and to understand that his grace has us covered to understand and to know that he loves you just the way you are that he that he loves you just the way you are but that he he loves you too much to leave you that way that he wants to make us better it is called the process of sanctification that he is perfecting us until that day until that day comes that that i am just a vessel in his hands that i am just a jar of clay in his hands and that he's working on me and that he's molding me and that he's shaping me and that he's forming me and that I have to understand that wherever there is a moment of weakness in that, you know what, I'm not going to just be sad about it. I'm going to know that his strength is made perfect in that. I'm going to know that in my moment of weakness that his grace has me covered. That he has me covered. That he has me covered. Jesus, I thank you in this moment. I thank you that you're present in every season. I thank you that you're not just the God of the mountaintop, but I thank you that you're also the God of the valley. I thank you that you're not only with me when everything seems to be going good, but I thank you that you're with me when I'm at my worst. God, in this place, Countless experiences, countless setbacks, countless challenges. We've all been there. There's hurt. There's questions. 
Why? Why won't this change? Why do I still feel sad? Why do I still feel... Why? I thank you that for every question you stand and let us know that you're the answer. I thank you that there's nothing too hard that I'm facing. That it's about my perspective. I choose to lift my eyes to the hills. I won't focus on my problems. I'm going to look to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from you, God. The God who made the heavens and the earth. My help comes from you. My strength, my security comes from you. God, I thank you that you stand here today and you tell somebody, you're, you're making the invitation, you say, come to me if you're heavy burdened. If you're laden, you say, I'll give you rest. Some of us in this place, God, need that rest in our spirit, in our mind, in our hearts. Some of us need the peace that surpasses all understanding right now. We've been through some stuff, but we also are grateful that you have sustained us, you have preserved us, you have kept us, you have shielded us, and we are here today as a testament, as a testimony of your faithfulness and your goodness. Right now, God, I thank you that you can take every experience. I thank you that you can weave it all together and make it good. I thank you, God, that my pain, my hurt, I can surrender it to you. I can surrender it to you. So I surrender it to you today. The thing that I haven't been able to shake off and the thought that I haven't been able to overcome. Right now, I surrender it to you. I surrender it to you. I surrender it to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you in this place have an overwhelming guilt that is over you, carrying your shame, carrying it all. Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. God is waiting on you. God is waiting on you. He's not going to kick the door open. He's waiting on you to open it. And for some of you, this is the greatest start right now where you say, I, I surrender my life to Jesus. I want him to be Lord of my life. If that's you today, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to invite you just where you're at right now. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand right now. God sees you right now. I want everyone at the sound of my voice to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. Come into my life. I surrender it all to you. 
be the Lord of my life. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. The angels rejoice and God's people rejoice. For those that have received him today, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. word says that we can call on him and he'll answer his word says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy in the time of need and if you're in a time of need this morning before we close out as our prayer partners come up to the front and as we enter this last moment of worship I'm going to invite you right now if you have something that is weighing on your heart and you just need someone to pray with Take, don't miss this opportunity. Take advantage of this opportunity. We're here with you and for you. Let's worship him together. Father, once again, we praise you in this place. We thank you, God, that you are a God that hears our call. We thank you, God, that your grace is sufficient for us. We thank you that your grace can hold us even when we feel that life is overwhelming, even when we feel like it's too much, we thank you that your grace is still enough. God, flood every heart and every mind with your peace, with your love, with your goodness right now, God, that we would know that we can face tomorrow because of who you are, that we can face the day after tomorrow and we can face all the days of our lives because you said, I will be with you all of the days. I thank you that because you're with us, it changes the dynamics of what we're going through. I thank you that because you're with us, it changes the environment. It changes the atmosphere. I thank you, God, that you are ever present. There is nothing too difficult for you, God. So right now we surrender our hurts. We surrender our pain, we surrender our problems, we surrender our worries, we surrender our frustrations. We lay it all at your feet, God, and we just trust you with it. We worship you in this moment, we worship you, and we praise you in this moment, and we lift you up. We lift you up today.